welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to episode number 153 of Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 18th of May 2019. Coming up this week, the end is in sight. I'm on target to finish my first draft of Left for Dead next week. I've just landed three big fish for a podcast interviews and what me and Captain James Cook have in common. It appears that I've been publishing books for longer than anyone thought. I'll just leave you with that cryptic headline, all will be explained towards the end of the podcast. But in true radio disc jockey fashion, you've got to tease things ahead, haven't you? So let's have a look at this week's word count. As I mentioned in the headlines there, I'm going to finish, unless anything happens, touch wood, I'm going to finish Left for Dead next Sunday. So since we last spoke, I've written another 15,000 words. On Sunday the 12th of May, I wrote 5,083 words. On Thursday the 16th of May, 5,060 words. Oh, and here's a coincidence. On Friday the 17th of May, actually I just stopped writing in the last 15 minutes, 5,060 words. So you can tell sometimes with my writing, I write straight through 5,000 words. And then other times I just kind of limp past the finishing post. It depends what kind of writing day I've had. No, it didn't take me long to write today, to be honest with you. It did come quickly, but in that last scene that I've just finished writing... I'm just such a finisher completer. I will not stop until I've I've broken that 5,000 mark. And I was just a little bit short. And because of the way I'm wired, I can't finish a little bit short. So I went back and just uh, added a bit more detail to some of the the sections just to to hit that 5,000 mark. So we hit 5,060 today. So because I I usually write over, well, I always write over 5,000 words. The current word count for that book is 57,000 words. So I will be writing on Sunday, I'll be writing on Thursday and Friday next, and I should finish that book on the Sunday. I did have a a few plotting issues this week, just that I was a little bit, I guess I'm at the point now where I need to commit to what's happening in the story. And I started going down a route this week, and I wasn't happy with it. And actually, it was easy to dig myself out of the hole. But this is why I like thinking time in between books, because I think it must have been when I was, yeah, it was on Sunday, I must have written myself into this hole on Sunday. And then because I had a couple of days just to mull it over in my mind, I came up with the solution. I thought, oh, that's a lot neater. And then I just fixed it in the mornings before I had to go to work. And then so by the time I, I kind of hit it on Thursday, everything was fine and I knew where I was going. Um, I also had to do some research and make a little change to what I'd written yesterday um, because I was just asking my mum, uh, my mum, my wife, oh my goodness, what would a psychiatrist make of that? I was just asking my wife um, about things at the library, how microfiche works and whether um, I've got somebody going to Morecambe Library. And I just wanted to know whether she would be able to access newspaper microfiche that was outside the Lancashire area. And so uh, the answer was no. So I just had to find a, a dramatic way of her being able to get this information that she needed from an old newspaper. Actually, it was from the electoral roll uh, that she needed the information from. And of course, you could just look it up online on 192.com. But for dramatic purposes, we don't want people just finding all the answers on the Internet. So I sent her to the library uh, instead. 
So just a tiny little bit of rewriting this week, just to to give it a little nudge and a steer the way I want it. Um, but we're 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 there now. Oh, and the other thing is um, is that I also had some inspiration about um, where the body's going to be hidden. Uh, I needed to hide a body somewhere where it, it wouldn't reasonably be found if no one was looking for it. And uh, I came up with a, a good wheeze for that. So what I'm going to have to do when I come to do my my first read is I'm just going to need to seed that location uh, in the book a little bit earlier on. So uh, that's easy to do. It's easily done. It's just a sentence here, a sentence. There. I just need to mention it in passing just so it's seeded. So that by the time we get to it, you are aware that this is a feature um, in the location where the body's going to go. So um, writing going okay this week, but again, I'm always keen to tell you when things don't go completely smoothly. I don't want to give the impression that it's just a complete rush through. A couple of little plotting difficulties today. If I'd have, if I wasn't um, pantsing, if I was plotting the thing, I'd have known what the answers to those things were. But they were they were easily solved. I hadn't uh, painted myself into a corner, which is always good news. So that's this week's writing news. Uh, hopefully we'll be pretty well there by the time I speak to you next week, which will be fabulous. And then as I was looking at my schedule the other day, <laughs> I was, um, th things are changing with you know kids coming home from university and things like that. There's some domestic things going on at the moment, which means um, you know summer, summer in our house is starting a little earlier than I thought it was going to start. And I was looking at the schedule the other day looking at the amount of disruption that's going to be going on thinking am I going to get another one written before summer and I'm not sure that I am and that doesn't matter if I don't because I've got editing work to be getting on with and I was I was just kind of looking at it thinking right okay I've got to be here at this day I've got to be there on that day and then when I, I went through and thought do I have enough writing sessions to get another 75k book done by summer and and the answer actually was yes, even with the disruption going on. So so I am gonna I'm gonna continue as if that next book is going to get written, that next 75k word book is gonna get written by summer. I just I need to come up with an idea. I did have an idea actually this week, but I, I need to come up with an idea and turn it around very fast. So, <laughs> uh, so hopefully we'll get there. But if the, if there's anything else comes to squeeze me on my time, you know, running children around, picking people up and that sort of thing. If I have any more interruptions to the schedule, I may I may just give up give it up for summer now and, and just focus on editing and start to go through my books ready for the rapid re-release. Uh, and, and and actually that the time may be better spent doing that, but I'm I'm not committing to that yet. Let's get this book out of the way. Let's see if I have some wonderful inspiration for the next one. And let's see if my time gets squeezed anymore by youngsters moving around and doing things and needing running places. Um, but I'll, I'll let you know if there's any change to the schedule. So last week I told you that I'd submitted the grid one for a book bub. I feel like I need to have a, a drum roll sound effect here. Can we can we do a little drum roll here just to build the tension? That's the worst, worst drum roll <laughs> done with my highlighters. Um, no, I didn't get it. <laughs> Just to put you out of your misery, I didn't get another book bub on the grid. So we've had one book bub on that book. And then I've, since having that book bub, I've been knocked back twice for it. So there you go. But I can submit the secret bunker again on Tuesday. So I shall just keep submitting these things until I wear them down and they say yes, or I give up, whichever comes first. But um, yeah, the secret bunker can go again on Tuesday. I'm actually telling you that date now. That feels like it's a little bit early, so I'll just double check that. But uh, according to my calendar, I can submit the next secret bunker uh, next week on Tuesday the 21st. So again, next week, I'll let you know how we got on with that. 
I was delighted this week uh, and it happened very quickly and it happened in response to a Facebook post that he'd made. You'll know that I've been chasing Adam Nichols for a long time. I hadn't realised quite how long it was. It's actually 11 months I've been gently stalking him to try and get an interview. And the reason that I, I desperately wanted to speak to Adam is that 11 months ago, in June 2018, he posted that he'd had amazing success with his thrillers. And I just knew from the last time I'd spoken to Adam that he'd been struggling. He, he, he'd had some success. I think he'd had his first $1,000 month, but he was really struggling to, to break through. He was pretty well where, where I was, stroke am. But he was getting some sales, so he, he got off zero. He was bringing in some money. But it wasn't enough and he wasn't happy with it. And then all of a sudden, seemingly out of the blue, he'd just he'd had a hundred thousand um, dollar half year, something like that. It was, it was ridiculous, just a huge amount of money. So I've been chasing him, chasing him. And the other day he posted on Facebook, he's got some um, neck problems at the moment, which are interfering with his writing. And I just thought, you know, it's, it's time to have another go at him again, see if I can get him on the podcast. He said no to me or, or you know, the time's not right for about four or five times. So uh, I just sent him a, a jokey message saying, I've heard that a perfect cure for uh, neck ache is being a podcast guest. It uh, relaxes uh, the muscles. And um, he sort of took it in the manner in which it was intended. And uh, I managed to talk him into doing a podcast. And we recorded it this week. You know, talk about fast turnaround. We set a date there and then. And, uh, and Adam is now recorded in the pot. And he's going to be on the June episode of Self-Publishing Journeys. So... The date is, he says, checking his schedule. Adam will be on the 3rd of June uh, on the Self-Publishing Journeys interview episode. We spoke yesterday and it was, oh, it was great. I tell you, absolute gold dust. So Adam's basically made over £100,000 re-releasing thrillers, which were just not doing very much. Um, you know, same same thrillers, um, gave them a revamp, gave them new titles, did, did some jiggery-pokery with them and made over £100,000 last year. Absolutely stunning. And and the things that he did, I just he told me something yesterday. I won't tell you what it is just yet, but he told me something yesterday. It just took my breath away. It just made my heart beat fast with panic, telling me what he did to enable him to re-release those books. Um, it's a great interview. I mean, I really dug into every single detail of Adam's rapid release. I'm going to copy everything in September when I do mine. Uh, I'll copy all the details. But I took, I was taking notes. It's just a great interview. If you want to do rapid release and hear a model that works from a person who had had tiny bits of success. Incidentally, there were no book bubs involved, which was really interesting. All Adam was doing was advertising on three sites that, that pretty well all of us can afford. That He wasn't spending book bub amounts of money, and he was losing money on his Facebook ads, yet he still hit those numbers. So um, you've got to listen to this interview. I've been, as I say, I've been dying to do it for 11 months, and I am going to follow it. To the letter when I do my rapid re-release, which means, by the way, I've had to chase my <laughs> change my rapid release schedule because, um, well, I, you listen to the interview. I'm not going to spoil the interview. I'm going to just keep you sort of waiting for it until June the third. But you must listen to this if you've any interest in doing a rapid release. Make sure you catch Adam Nichols' interview on Monday the third of June. I'm really pleased actually because I've just booked in a load of guests for the podcast. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy with them. And they kind of, you know, I said to you, I wanted to do a couple of interviews because I, I just want to bring you up to date with where I am and who I'm speaking to. So the July interview is going to be with Jerry Evanoff. Now, um, I highly recommend Jerry's podcast to you. Um, you know, Jerry's um, just about to release his first book, but he's completely immersed in the 20 books to 50K 
a scene. He was at London. He's been to both Vegas conferences. He'll go to Vegas next year. He's coming to Edinburgh this year. So Jerry's following all best practice, but Jerry is doing it from the point of view of a new first release writer. And that's why it's so interesting. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't yet released your book yet, maybe you've only got one or two books out, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm slightly further ahead. You'll get great value from listening to what Jerry's got to say. Now, I personally am learning loads of things from Jerry's podcast in that he keeps talking about books and things and links that I wasn't aware of. So I'm learning a ton from Jerry. I'm really keen to talk to him. So I've, I've tied Jerry down. And I, I shuffled my j- dates with Jerry because when I was looking at the diary, I thought, actually, I'd like to talk to Jerry as close as we can get to 20 books to 50k because a lot of you I know a lot of you who listen to this podcast um will 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 meet Jerry um at that event so I I've I've sort of got Jerry tied down so that his interview will go apologies for shuffling here um Jerry's interview is going to run on the 1st of July and then we'll all be getting together on the um sort of well the week beginning the 22nd of July for 20 books in Edinburgh so that that timing just felt better to me and then again after after that in August, um, I should be with John and James Evans. I should be starting the release of my three military sci-fi books at the beginning of July, and I wanted to do an interview with uh, John. Uh, J- James is very shy and doesn't want to speak on the podcast, though I I, I might work on him. I see if we can get him on, but he, he he just leaves that bit to John. So I'll be talking to John again because I wanted to talk about our collaboration. I wanted to discuss it from my point of view as the collaborating author and for John and James's point of view as the people whose universe I'm writing in. I thought there'd be a lot of value in sharing that as well. So um, I've got John booked in again this week. I'm really pleased that I got all these all these bookings in. You know, you know I wanted to talk to Kirsten. You know I wanted to talk to Jerry. You know I wanted to talk to, to Adam for a long time. John, I want to talk to about this collaboration that we're doing because I think we can share a lot of information about that if you're thinking or considering um, collaborating with anybody. We can dive into all the contract details, into the practicalities, the how we're making it work, how we get to release, all that sort of thing. And that's what we'll do in that podcast interview. So hopefully we've got loads of really useful and informative interviews coming up. But you're going to have to wait, I'm afraid. So sorry about that. Uh, but I'm very happy because I've got them scheduled in. I know they're going to happen now. OK, so at the weekend and at the beginning of this week in the evening, I have now added my author notes to all of my thrillers and all of my sci-fi books. So every single book that I've published now, uh, non-fiction accepted, I've now got my informal author notes added. Now, if you recall, I was a little bit jittery about adding them to the Don't Tell Meg trilogy because I had a launch going. I didn't want to do anything that would interrupt that launch. So at the moment, I don't care because I've taken that money from that launch and clearly my earnings are up at the moment. But at the moment, everything I'm doing is geared to getting ready to that rapid re-release. And even more so now I've talked to Adam. And so... Uh, you know, I'll make money, obviously, but I don't really care at the moment. Those thrillers are going to be taken off a line. They're not going to be listed eventually. Um, and then uh, I'll get ready for my rapid re-release with new titles, new blurbs and all of that stuff um, in September or October. So um, 
just wanted to let you know that and because i don't because i inverted commas i don't care what i mean is i don't i'm not i haven't paid 600 dollars for a bookbub ad where it really matters how all that converts you know now i've just got ongoing sales not at the same huge volume as you get with a with a bookbub so therefore i'm putting my author notes in now just to see what they do whether i get any response see whether people like them or don't to see whether it gives me more or fewer or the same signups to my newsletter so this is just me testing those author notes before i take the books offline ready for my rapid re-release now um the i've got what is it three three of my thrillers i'm just trying to i've got all these dates written down in my diary so um, Who to Trust, One Fatal Error and Burden of Guilt are out of KDP Select on the 11th of June. When they come out of KDP Select, I will be de delisting those three books. They're getting delisted. Um, so those are three books. I've got um, the book I'm writing at the moment, Left for Dead, and I've got So Many Lies as well, which are new books. So that gives me five. I've got the 75K book, that I'm writing up to summer, which will be six if that book gets written. And then I've got Don't Tell Meg a Dead of Night in there as well. So at some point, Dead of Night is still wide. And at some point, probably June actually, I'll take that book offline too. So the next step in that process will be change the titles, um, get Stuart Bache to make the new covers with the new titles on them. And then you won't see anything. So my, my income is going to go right down uh, for the thrillers while that happens. And really, I guess the crux of this is, and this is what I've got to decide, is do I keep the Don't Tell Meg trilogy live or not? That's the crux of this. And um, I, I, again, as I was saying to you last week, I guess what, what that depends on is whether I can get a book bub on that or not, because I might use that book bub to seed the beginning of the rapid re-release, or I might start with... Um, a new book, something like So Many Lies. Um, but again, you know, what is definite is I am delisting um, all of the books. Don't tell Beggy's question mark over that, but I am delisting de all my other books and that will happen in June. The next step will be new titles, new covers, new blurbs. They'll all be sitting there in draft form. And then at some point I will commit around the relaunch. There's also... As a result of a conversation, I'm sorry to be cryptic with this, but you know some things you can talk about, sometimes some things you can't. Um, there may potentially be another collaboration in the offer offing, which would be a great point at which to start the rapid re-release. That's in discussion at the moment. I'll let you know if we get any white smoke on that one, but that potentially might also um, move things in a slightly different way. But I'm definitely looking at September really for that rapid re-release. It has to be September because I I have to budget enough time for Stuart Bache to get those covers back to me. And I'm giving him my brief in July. So I'm sort of thinking, you know, July, by the end of August, I should have so many lies back and completely finished by Helen. Um, and I'll have all those covers back. So I just need to leave the buffer time in there to make sure all the work's done and I'm ready to do the rapid re-release too. The other thing, of course, I want to do is my my existing books, my existing thrillers are going to get a light edit. And by a light edit, I mean, I'm going to just look at any feedback that I may have had from them, make changes if I need to. I'm going to give them another read. Um, one of the things I was discussing with Adam yesterday, interestingly, was we were talking about swearing and Americanisms in books. So I, I may, um, the conclusion we came to was that no one ever complained that there weren't enough swear words in a book. No one ever complained that there was too, uh, was it too little violence in, in a book. So 
um, you know, I could remove, I don't actually, violence really isn't an issue in my books, but I do have, the swearometer is quite high on my books. And I did think oh, I might take a few swears out there. And um, and sometimes sexual references, too. I might take a few sexual references out. So I am, I am just going to review them, um, you know, a very light edit, not a full edit, um, before they before they get re-released. So that's where we are with the rapid re-release at the moment. I've put on the resources page, I was listening to one of my podcasts. This is a podcast that I recommended, you know, when I did my three-year anniversary, and there were a few, if you listen to those episodes, there were a few podcasts there that you probably will never have heard of. And I just wanted to recommend, again, one of those podcasts to you, but a specific episode. And I put the episode on the show notes for this week. It's Rob Moore's money podcast um which i i listen to I, I dip in and out of it but some of the episodes are great and i wanted you to listen to an episode uh, where rob talks about making zero pounds to one hundred thousand pounds in the quickest time possible um now when i was listening to it it really resonated with me i mean number one because we know it can be done. Adam Nichols is going to tell us how to do it in that interview. He, he went from not zero, not quite zero, but, but mediocre earnings to £100,000 of earnings in a year. So he, he, he could do it. He showed that we could do it um, using books that were failing first time round. So it can be done. Um, and when I was listening to that podcast, I was just listening to it thinking, do you know what, there's, there's loads of lessons and messages in here for any author who's trying to get their career going. So I just want to recommend that to you. Know, I will just uh, warn you, I, I usually listen to Rob's podcasts at night and it's got like real thrashy, abrasive music at, at, at the beginning. And when I'm listening at night and I'm half asleep, I just, oh, blimey, turn, you know, turn it down, turn it down, Rob. Let's have something a bit more melodic <laughs> at the beginning. And, uh, you know, easy listening. That's what you want, easy listening, Rob. Um, but he starts both of his podcasts with uh, quite thrashy music. So please don't let that put you off. All right. And also, he's, he's what you'd call a, a motor mouth. And I mean that in a nice way. You know, he talks really, really fast. It's like boom, 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 boom. Um, ju just bear with him and listen to the content. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm used to it. It doesn't trouble me in the slightest uh, because I know that there's loads of nuggets in there. Uh, but you, you might just sort of think, oh, no, not for me if you listen to the music. Just bear with it because that episode is excellent. Zero to £100,000 in the quickest time possible. In there, you will find all sorts of things to shake you up as an author. You could do all of those things that he mentions in there. And it, it really, what that episode is, is just what you should be doing in your business, your author business, to get marketing properly. So there you go. It's on the resources page. You don't even have to hunt for it. Um, it's there. Just give it a listen. See what you think. I thought it was really useful. Um, at the moment, I told you that I've got three thrillers on... KDP Select, and I'm not really doing anything with them other than just doing a few quiet tests at the moment. These these are thrillers that haven't really sold because I never did anything with them. I was just always promoting Don't Tell Meg. So I've made incidental sales, but I've not made any sales. I've not put any promotions to them. They've not really done anything. And I'm quite happy with that because I'm delisting them and they're going in my rapid re-release. So I'm quite keen to keep my powder dry. However, however, uh, I did a test where I put, I can't remember which one it was, One Fatal Error, what my book's called, One Fatal Error, Burden, I can't remember my blasted books. I think it was Who to Trust. I'm terrible. I can't even remember the titles of my books. I think it was Who to Trust. I put it on a free week on Amazon and did nothing with it just to see what it did. And as you ex expect, you know, with no impetus, with no marketing, it got rid of a few copies, but pr no more than 20. This week, I've got one fatal error up for free. So I put it on its five free days, Monday to Friday. And I did a single promo on it. And I did a BK Knights promo. 
Now I've told you about BK Knights before. It, it's on Fiverr, so it costs you $5 to do this promo. So a $5 promo on BK Knights has given me 298 free downloads this week. Now I've told you before that BK Knights, it ought to be rubbish, but it's not, it's great. Uh, for $5, 298 free downloads. So I just wanted to mention that to you. BK Knights, if you're, you know, you're strapped for cash, but you've got a book that you could do for free or actually discounted as well on BK Knights, uh, I just wanted to let you know that with no other promos whatsoever, zero, 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 absolutely nothing. I've said nothing about it. I just wanted to test it from cold. BK Knights has given me 298 downloads of One Fatal Error this week. So there you go. I think it's worth, I think that's worth it for $5. Um, I, I, there are sites that you pay more for that don't give you 298 downloads in a week. So um, moving on from that, a couple of sort of book recommendations. I listened, I got three audiobooks that I wanted to listen to on my targets this month. And I thought, right, the time's getting on, I better get on with it. And as you know, I've listened to the top 10 Sacred Cows of Publishing and Self-Publishing, which are from Dean Wesley Smith. And the other audio I needed to listen to was Libby Hawker's audio. Now, I know that um, John Cronshaw had recommended this in his book that I've been reading, and Stop Booking Around. And so I just thought, right, I, gotta, I, must read, I must read this or consume this book. And it was just quicker for me to listen to it on an audio book. So I listened to that book um, and got a lot of value from it, as John, John said I would in his book. And because um, the, the, the sign of a good audio book is when there's so much in it, you think, oh, blimey, I'm going to have to buy the paperback now and, and underline the paperback. Uh, and I, I bought John's paperback the other week because, you know, frankly, I couldn't be bothered to go through the Kindle book. There was so much that I wanted to jot down in it. I couldn't be bothered to go through my Kindle um, book and, and look at what I'd, I'd marked in there. I just, I'd, you know, I want it where I can refer to it at my desk. So I bought John's paperback the other day and I've gone through that and underlined all the bits I wanted to remember. And I've just ordered um, Libby Hawker's, uh, is it called Take Off Your Pants? It's a bit of an embarrassing one to have on your phone, actually, for people who don't know what it is. Um, I, I, I listened to Don't take off your pants and I just thought right I'm gonna to have to order the paperback I need to just underline loads of stuff in there now um I know take off your pants is a widely recommended book and the bit about pantsing and plotting is extremely good um there's a really nice plan in there and some really good stuff in there um in terms of just reviewing that story I think the only thing I would say is that it was it was bizarre um she refers to the Pocahontas story which I think she must have written a version of but she keeps going on about this Pocahontas story to illustrate it and I got to tell you, um, and, and this is a, a big up for John Cronshaw's book here. You know, John uses, um, he, he pretty well uses kind of Star Wars. And actually, I think Star Wars is a, is a, a widely accepted story to use as an example, just because if you haven't seen Star Wars, where where have you been? You know, every, every even if you don't like Star Wars, it's pretty hard not to have seen it, I would say. But the Pocahontas story, I thought, hmm, that's an unusual choice of example. And, and she sort of keeps saying, well, you know, she's used all these um, um, names that, that, you know, are unfamiliar because obviously it's the Pocahontas story. And I'm thinking, hmm, I don't think I'd have used that as the example. I'd have used something that was a little bit more accessible, like Star Wars or something like that. But it doesn't matter because if you forget the examples and you just dig down to what she's telling you uh, and forget the examples, then actually it's a great book and there's loads in it. But I just thought, ooh, that, you know, that was an unusual choice of illustrative story. I don't know about you. I mean, you might know the Pocahontas story really well, but I mean, all I know is is what I used to watch with the kids, what, 12, 15 years ago now, when the kids were small and we were immersed in Disney videos. That's how long it was. It wasn't even DVDs, it was videos. When the last time I watched Pocahontas, 
Or is it just me being ignorant? Should I know the Pocahontas story uh, inside out? Well, I don't, I'm afraid. Uh, so I would have rather had a an example that was slightly more mainstream than that. Um, I thought that was an interesting use of illustrative story. But anyhow, don't let that put you off. If you just take the book and extract the, the information from it, it's great. I'd rather she use Star Wars or Superman or something that we all know, not Pocahontas. And um, something that she mentioned, yeah, I'm sure it, yeah, I'm sure it was Libby Hawker mentioned this in her book, which I've also put on my wish list. I, I just haven't. I've got too many books to read on editing and, and crafting at the moment, so it's, I put it on my wish list rather than buy it. Uh, but it's a book she recommends called *The Anatomy of Story: Twenty Two Steps to Becoming a Master Storyteller* by John Truby. Now, this is a screenwriting book, but she rec she highly recommends that book in her book. So that's gone on the wish list. That's another paperback that I'll be buying. Unfortunately, it wasn't available as an audio book. It's really annoying, isn't it? When you, um, if I want to consume a non-fiction book fast. I generally like to get the audiobook because I listen to it when I'm walking to work. I just get to it quicker. Uh, that, that's why I like audiobooks. And, and, and then if it's a really good audiobook, I end up buying the paperback anyway and then rattling through it, underlining the bits that are more, most pertinent. And this, I wish this one was an audiobook, but it's not, unfortunately. So it went on the wish list because I just know I haven't got time to read it at the moment. I've got a pile of non-fiction books that are in the story stack first. I've got um, Dave Gochran's book bub that I need to read through again. I've got, uh, is it Lisa Cron's Story Genius? And I've got the book on editing, which all of which I've mentioned to you. But I want to try and get through those by the end of the quarter. So I got I got a lot flying around at the moment. And I'm trying to get through some um, fictions as well. I need to keep a fiction up as well. So I am feeling a bit pushed for time with reading at the moment. So that one went on the wish list. But I wanted to mention it to you because you've just got to listen to the title, haven't you? The Anatomy of Story, 22 Steps to Becoming a Master Storyteller. Ding, I'm in. I want that book. So uh, it will get bought just probably not at this moment. I had an interesting cold call this week. Now, with my telephony, if you could even find my phone, I don't want you to ring me. Don't ring me, okay? Email me, but don't ring me. I don't like using the phone. I only like using the phone when it's by mutually agreed appointment, just so you know, okay? I hate telephones. It's ridiculous. I ring you, you're not in. You ring me, I'm not in. We keep missing each other, and how much time do we waste? I hate phones, okay? The only time I'll use a phone is where we've agreed an appointment and we're both sitting there and I ring and you pick up straight away because you're expecting the call. Okay, that's the, To me, that's the only way to use a, a phone when it's by appointment. Then it's a brilliant thing. But otherwise, it's just a nuisance. Anyhow, so as you know, I have a telephony system that means I have a business number with a Carlisle code, but it doesn't get straight through me. It goes straight to a, a voicemail and uh, it gets screened. And a lot of the calls I get there are complete nonsense. So they get blocked straight away. They can never ring me ever again. Uh, but as anybody knows who knows how I work, if um, you know if you're ringing me and it is about something that I need to attend to, I'll get back to you very quickly. So it's not a way of ignoring you; it's just a way of screening all the blooming nonsense that people do on the phone. So anyhow, I got a one of these calls this week, which just illustrates what I say: most calls are nonsense, um, and it was from Maple Leaf Publishing Inc. in Canada. And uh, they were offering me, I did, by the way, I didn't answer it. I listened to the voicemail and now the number's blocked. <laughs> this is just how I work, okay? I don't want to talk to you. Uh, I'm not interested. Block. Don't ring me again. That, and that's why I have this mobile telephony. I use invoco.net, by the way, to manage my phone calls um, to screen everything. So they rang me. I don't know, I can't even think where they got the number from because I don't, 
think I even advertise the number on my websites anymore. They might have found it on an old one, uh, but I don't think I even define myself by telephone number anymore because I just don't want you to ring me. So uh, anyhow, they, they rang me up and said, oh, we've seen the secret bunker. And, and the funny, funny thing is, is we've seen the secret bunker. She was trying to big up the secret bunker and she couldn't even quite remember the title when she was doing the cold call. She was there obviously looking at a bit of paper saying, oh, we've seen your great book, uh, The uh, Secret Bunker. It was like that kind of a call. So I thought, hmm, you've made me feel special already. And um, basically what they were trying to do is they wanted to talk to me about my book because they felt they could uh, help me with my book. So, of course, I go straight online. I look up Maple Leaf Publishing Inc. And they're just one of these companies that sells you services. So what happened? The call got blocked, okay, because there's nothing they could offer me that I can't do for myself. And I'm not paying anybody for that service. So I just thought I'd mention that to you just in case they give you a call, just to let you know who they are. Now, you may look at it. I mean, they don't, they don't look like they're a scammy company or anything like that. It looks perfectly all right, but I ain't touching services like that. Uh, I'm just not touching it. So um, I just thought I'd let you know that. I don't know where they got the details from, whether they were scouring, uh, you know, um, whether they were scouring Amazon or whatever, but they got my details from somewhere. They'd obviously had the nous to proactively contact me, but now they're blocked. They can't even ring me and leave a message anymore because I'm not interested. I mentioned to you last week that because I'd bought, um, what's his name? James, what's his name? Very famous crime author. You know the one, James, what's his face? Oh, God, I wish my memory, I'm terrible at names, aren't I? James, what's his face? You know, he's huge. Anyhow, I bought his masterclass uh, ages ago. And, um, and because I'd done that, the masterclass people contacted me and said, David Baldacci's got a masterclass coming out. Would you give us feedback on it? And if you give us feedback on it, uh, we'll give you a free masterclass. So that was a double for me because number one, David Baldacci writes thrillers. And uh, so that was great. Um, I got to consume that for free. And then uh, they sent me the free voucher this week. And I've now got Dan Brown's masterclass uh, in return for feeding back on David Baldacci's masterclass. So great. I've got two masterclasses and I've only ever paid for one with James. Oh, what's your name, James? Oh, I just can't. Oh, terrible, aren't I, with names? He's a huge author <laughs> and I can't remember his surname. Sorry, James, if you're listening. Um, I'm just terrible with names. Anyhow, um, I'm really looking forward to that. So at some point, I'm going to sit down and watch the Dan Brown masterclass. But I've heard several people have said that they um, really enjoyed that one. And I heard um, Joanna Penn mention it as well. So I'm going to make sure... Hopefully over this weekend, I should have some time to start consuming that. Um, MailChimp. Have you seen that MailChimp has changed its charging structure? MailChimp effectively has done an Insta freebie. So you remember me ranting about Insta freebie and they changed the name to Prolific Works. And when you've got a name that no one could even remember, um, we all call it Insta freebie still, don't we? Because Insta freebie was great. It's described what it does. And the Prolific Works, you know, really, that's the rebrand. Um, can anybody remember that? I still can't remember Prolific Works. Anyhow, so they, they made some superfluous changes, which no one was asking for. And MailChimp have done exactly the same thing this week. They've changed their charging structure. It's not it, it's not fair. It's, it's not going to go down very well with people who are in MailChimp. Um, and I kind of half looked at this because I obviously I train MailChimp and I, I have this MailChimp book. But MailChimp, in my opinion, the, the funny thing is I've always trained MailChimp because it's the service that most people use. It's the service that most small businesses use, even though it's not the one that I use myself. And actually in my day job, we use MailChimp. So I, I use MailChimp you know, every week, but not for myself. I train it and I use it in my day job, but I use MailerLite in my own business. That's my personal choice is MailerLite. 
And interestingly, now this charging structure has changed. It's going to peeve a lot of people off. Now, I got this email this week and thought, well, it doesn't affect me. I don't pay for MailChimp. It's, it's you know, it's fine. Um, I, I, I can't be bothered to read that now. I'm busy. Um, and, and then I got a blog post popped up in my feed from Dave Gokram. And I did read Dave's post. And Dave's done a really detailed, brilliant post on the MailChimp uh, changes. So if you want a Reader's Digest version of what this is going to mean for you, from uh, you know, if you're a MailChimp user, um, I've put it on the resources page. Really, you know, Dave does a really good deep dive with this stuff, and he's really, you know, he gets really into it. He's really journalistic about it. That he doesn't hold anything back, and he's had a really old go about Mailchimp about you know the craziness of their new charging structure. They may back down, and by the time you listen to this, they may have backed down. Um, I did wonder if Insta Freebie would back down, but they didn't. So let's see whether Mailchimp back down on this, or whether they 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 go ahead with it. But effectively, Mailchimp have metamorphosed, or they are metamorphosing themselves from just a standard email service to a CRM. They're giving you CRM functionality. They've been moving towards that for quite a time, to be honest with you. But now it's reflected in the charging structure. I'm not going to explain it to you because I, I haven't really dug deep, but I did really enjoy Dave's article. But I think one of the key principles here in the under GDPR, we've got to keep a record of people. So somebody might have unsubscribed, but we kind of have to keep a record of people subscribed and that they had permission to do that. And so MailChimp, used to give you 2,000 contacts for free. And my understanding of it is is that even though people unsubscribe, you've got to keep that data unless they ask to be erased. You've got to kind of keep a record to show that, um, you know, you had um, that data. And don't quote me on GDPR. This is just my reading of it. Okay, I'm not a GDPR expert. This is not advice. This is just Paul's very bad Reader's Digest version of something that I want you to read. Um, you know, just in case uh, anybody takes me too seriously with this. don't. This is not gospel. I'm not an expert on GDPR. Um, but basically, my understanding is, is that you're going to have to pay to keep subscribers who you can't even email anymore. That's the gist of it, as far as I understand it. Anyhow, don't take it from me. Dave's done a deep dive on this. To save your hunting for it, I've put it on the resources page for episode 153, so you can have a look at it without having to go hunting for it. But it's a really good article. If you've got MailChimp or you've considered using MailChimp, make sure you read it. Incidentally, just to give you an update, you know my MailChimp book, um, it seems to have kicked in now and it is selling more copies. Now, I don't sell a, a load of copies, but because I make three pounds something, whatever it is per copy, I just wanted to let you know that without me kind of doing anything really, my MailChimp book has sold 17 copies this month, which is one a day, and I've made 47 quid from it this month. So what is 47 quid? 47 share 17 equals, oh, that's 276. Doesn't seem very much, does it? I'll have to check that. But um, yeah, I'm making two fifty, whatever it is, per 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 copy. I thought it was three fifty per copy. I have to check my numbers on that. Um, but uh, it's just sort of selling itself, and it's just bringing in a bit of income uh, easily. And remember, it's an old book that I just republished. You know, I, well, I was going to say I ought to update it. I'm not going to update it now. Not now. Mailchimp have made these changes. So again, it's this is why I keep ranting to you about my non-fiction. It's so frustrating because things change every five minutes. I mean, now MailChimp has done that. Unless they do a turnaround or a U-turn on that pricing structure, that does not make MailChimp a good um, recommendation. If you're trying to get small businesses in that are on a budget, uh, frankly, I'm going to probably recommend MailerLite now because uh, they still give you loads of contacts for free uh, without a complicated charging structure. Um, so that MailChimp, I think that's just the final kind of death toll for that um uh, you know that book, that Mailchimp book. I, I'll I'll leave it there and just let it go quietly out of date until people stop buying it. But I'm not going to update it now because Mailchimp's not really an attractive option for a small business. But yeah, 47 quid from 17 copies. 
I will, I will check that charging, what I'm charging for it, because I, I was thinking I was getting 350 a time. But for something that's just an old book that's frankly two years, it's out of date now, and I have said it, I've said what date it was published, people are still buying it. Um, and by out of date, the um, it's just the interface has changed. Um, it's all still the fine. It's just the interface has changed slightly. That's all. Um, but but uh, you know, unless you're unless you're absolutely hopeless with tech, you'd be able to figure it out from the book. Still, it's all it's all still there. Um, you know, I, I know it is because I do it once a week when I'm at work, or at least once a week when I'm at work. So it's really just an illustration, just to let you know. You know, forty-seven quid. It's an extra forty-seven quid for ants, isn't it? Um, this week's mentions, and I, I'm taking you back now to that cryptic headline that I gave you at the beginning of the podcast about Captain James Cook. Um, Julie Cordiner this week, I don't know why she was looking, um, but she she found a listing for my original WordPress book. Now, I, I used to have a series called Using WordPress Email Marketing Webinars in Business for Business. I had seven of them, and they were my original nonfiction books. And as they got out of date and I didn't refresh them, I just let them lapse. Um, so I think you can still find listings for them on Amazon but um, it just says currently unavailable. And, and Julie tweeted me this week. Um, it is just, this is brilliant. Uh, Julie's tweet, and I'll put it on the resources page so you can have a look. She said, followed your newsletter nonfiction link at Paul T UK and discovered that you were certainly ahead of your time publishing this book in 1778. And she's done a screenshot of the unavailable version of my book. So it's using WordPress for business. That was the first iteration. It's now, it's currently for sale as uh, WordPress Unbox. That's the revamped version. And the publication date of that book is the 1st of January, 1778. Now, I did a little bit of research, and 1778 was the year that Captain James Cook took his third voyage with ships HMS Resolution and HMS Discovery. That's so that's, that's a historical fact, all right? And an author Paul Teague introduced the world to WordPress in 1778, according to that publication date. Now, I, I did a little check to see if that was my gaffe, and, of course, that book now um it, it's not available in kindle i think i did have a version with it in, in kindle in the kindle interface but it's unpublished and, and the date is correct on that one so i was thinking well how the heck has that managed that because when you're on create space obviously i can't get to create space anymore because it's closed down so i can't actually get to that old listing um but i was thinking about it when you go on create space and you published a book on create space it said it, it, and it usually says you know do you want the publication date when you save this listing do you want that to be the publication date or do you want to set another date and when you set another date the calendar wouldn't take me to 1778 it wouldn't give me 1778 as an option anyway would it um so i was thinking where the heck has 1778 come from in that listing so i can only assume it's some quirk of the changeover to create space uh, i was trying to figure out where it could come from because you couldn't even list that incorrectly could you because it wouldn't let you save it it would say cannot compute you know you must have a date in the 20th or 21st century, presumably. Um, anyhow, I just thought that was quite, that's quite a posy error to have as a, a kind of legacy of listing on create space. Um, Paul Teague, the man who wrote a book about WordPress in 1778, before WordPress was even invented and before he was even born. How's that? Now, if ever you wanted proof of, of time travel, that might be it. Anyhow, I'll leave that one with you. Do do check out the the post because it's fascinating. If you've got, if you know how that could possibly happen, let me know because I, I can't figure it out. I mean, obviously, I quite like to put it right, really, but um, I don't think I can now because CreateSpace is closed. So there you go. We'll end this week's diary on a conundrum, uh, a, a puzzle to solve. If you're able to help with that, 
And um, I hopefully, when I speak to you next week, will be up to how many words? 70,000 words with just the last 5,000 to go. Fingers crossed we reach that target. I will, of course, have that diary update for you next Saturday. Whatever you're doing in your author world, I hope you have a great week of writing. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing. Hi, it's Paul Teague here with one of those little extra bits I sometimes tack at the end of the podcast for people who listen right to the end of the music. You know that person I was trying to remember? James something? It's only James Patterson, isn't it? How could I possibly forget?